Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America Babylon and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Hey, welcome, my friends, back to the show. Henry Love, I haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back. Gila Bear, Fred, Ideas, Alaskan247, Brother Wes, uh, others joining us. Wherever you're at, tuning in, welcome. Now, we have a new schedule here on Omega Man Radio. Again, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern. You can catch us live. Uh, we stream exclusively for right now on MixLR. So you can get the app if you like apps, if you like a computer like I do. That's where I get my stuff. Then you can put in the um, URL omegamanradio.mixlr.com. It'll pull up. You can also go to my website. I've got a built-in player. My website has everything, by the way, omegamanradio.com. And then if you miss these shows live, well, we have a brand new archive being carried exclusively over at Podbean. Everything else was nuked by design because a couple things needed to do. And I have a whole program that explains that detail, so I won't take time now to repeat it. But um, it's running pretty smooth, I think. And I'm getting some good response. Podbean is where all the new shows are going up. And then we have uh, a whole new archive dedicated to the back catalog over 10,000 shows I'm remastering them one at a time starting with episode one and I'm releasing usually two episodes per day I could do more but what's the rush not to mention uh, you've already got usually four shows a day if you if you're not listening live to listen to plus another two I think six a day is pretty good let me know if six a day is not enough for you well, I can always accommodate <laughs> and give you some more, but um, these are a treasure trove of broadcast. Many have never been heard before by uh, listeners to the program today. So uh, I think you're going to be blessed. They're all free, and the links are there at my um, website. Again, Podbean. We may activate other platforms in the future, but right now, uh, Podbean's the place to go. You can also download a Podbean app if you want to, or you can just go and click on the link and play it from your browser. Again, you have an option, web or um, smartphone, whichever you like. Now, I was uh, scanning through uh, YouTube on my Roku box before the show, and I saw something, and I thought I would stop and play it. It caught my eye. CBN News. Female pastors. Cultural chaos. Dr. Albert Moeller breaks down the situation facing the Southern Baptist Convention as meeting begins. There's a big controversy over there. Um, Rick Warren and Broken Back Church has been uh, kicked out of it, as I understand, because he decided to ordain some women in the church, and um, that is against their articles, as I understand it. And uh, a, a rift is developed uh, in that church, and there's a lot of people 
that um, are asking questions about the uh, Baptist Southern Baptist Church would survive and these are some real issues that need to be grappled with and uh, I began to listen to this I thought man this guy is a very articulate I thought I gotta play this for y'all so here it goes it's about 18 minutes with photo vibrance you can train and this is going to be Dr. Albert Moeller <clears throat> being interviewed by uh, CBN News are you ready vibrance and choose the effect so Dr. Moeller what would you say is the most pressing issue facing the church today wow the most pressing issue there's so many issues pressing upon us I think this is the bottom line question of faithfulness is the church going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ stand by the entirety of biblical truth everything else basically is derivative of that of that great challenge and uh, you can say that it's been the perpetual challenge of the church and will be until Jesus comes. But there's a sense in which in particular moments in church history, you can say the church is being severely tested from many different sides on, on many different issues, many different dimensions at one time. We're clearly living in that kind of moment right now. You know, it's interesting. People will say this is the worst it's ever been. It's never been this bad before. And others will say it ebbs and it flows, right? That there's nothing new under the sun, as Scripture tells us. How would you frame it where we are right now in light of the history? Well, there's a sense in which there is no new sin. Uh, But there are new forms of sin. And even technology is given, uh, unfortunately, new ways to kind of drive sin throughout the culture and, and seek to make the transformation of the culture a transformation into sin rather than uh, in resistance to sin. And so there's another sense in which you can say, well, okay, a part of what we're facing right now is fairly unique in human history. And uh, to take the LGBTQ revolution and the T in particular, you know, you simply do not have babies without understanding the basic ontological biblical truth that God made us male and female. And it, it takes one of each, you know, to reproduce. Gender is, um, you know, the, the, the modern attempt to separate gender and sex, for one thing, is just one of the situations in which you say, okay, that has really not happened in human history before. Not that there haven't been, you might say, people, uh, individuals, at any given time have been confused on these issues and may have even been open in that confusion. That's different than a society giving itself over to this confusion and trying to use the course of power of the state to enforce it. So that, that's new for Christians. And, you know, when we speak of new, we can also say that we are looking at a millennium of Christian experience in Western civilization. More than that. But let's just say safely a thousand years. And what we're witnessing right now is unique. It, it's not just an illusion. It's really unique. Where do you see this going, this transgender movement? Because it's what's everybody, everybody's talking about this right now. It's pervasive. It's everywhere in culture. Culture has chosen an affirmation only approach. Where do you think we're moving in that? I think there's only one place to go, honestly. And uh, this is something that uh, I think we need to think about and talk about. The only place to go is to say gender is not even a thing. Uh, you, you end up with the inability to have any coherent conversation. The English language is destroyed pronoun by pronoun. You know, you have no ability to know uh, human existence continuous when someone was, you know, Bill and is now Beverly uh, and, and maybe something else in the future. And so when you look at all this together, you recognize that, first of all, biology is not going to bend to the ideology. And so the ideology has to bend to biology. And so the only way I think politically this can be attempted is simply by saying 
gender is now off limits for conversation. Eventually, there's just there's just no reference to whether someone's male or female. You're just oh, how is it that the old Marxist put it, comrade? So it doesn't get better. It, it gets stranger. It sounds like potentially it gets stranger. But you know, there's another principle of of the way cultures operate. When you get ideologies that get this far out on a limb, people may, due to social or, for that matter, legal coercion, give kind of lip service to them. But increasingly, people don't believe them. They understand the emperor has no clothes. That really is not a girl. Uh, this really is not true. Uh, that is not marriage. Uh, and so, uh, or that's not real. It's just, it's, 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 it's not right. And so, you know, it's, it is interesting right now, you have these competing ideologies, right? So you have second wave feminism that said, it matters everything, whether you're a woman. You know, we want the laws to recognize women's equality. You, you've got to write that into the law, into the Constitution. Uh, and, and so you have Martina Navratilova, you know, who's upset about the fact that uh, now you've got a, you know, 22-year-old man in a woman's bathing suit, swimsuit, you know, University of Pennsylvania there on the, on the, the, the winner's, you know, block. And she's saying that's not right. Well, she herself identified as a lesbian. So in other words, once you start this process of moral revision, you're powerless to stop it. But you know what? Biology is not powerless to stop it. It's a reality. It's a fixed reality, right? This is what theologians of old and philosophers have called ontology. It's reality. Reality does not bend to our perceptions or our ideologies. So on a related note, obviously Pride Month is coming and you've had the Bud Light fiasco, Target. I mean, you you continue to have the Dodgers, right? Exactly. What should our posture be as Christians and believers to Pride Month? How do we handle it? Well, I think for one thing, we just need to understand for our children, it's a teaching opportunity. Uh, for the church, it's, it's a good teaching opportunity. I don't mean you schedule a special series of sermons for Pride Month. I mean, you do recognize, even as, say, in a pastoral prayer, uh, we, we have a spirit of rebellion set loose around us that's doing great harm to human beings. We need to pray for them. Um, but, you know, uh, we, need to, we need to understand that, and I mentioned kind of the Soviet use of the term comrade. Uh, this is not just a month-long celebration of alternative lifestyles, gender identities. This is an effort to make everyone submit to the regime. And so the one thing we can't do during Pride Month is wear the rainbow flag. The one thing we can't do is, uh, is act like for a month we get to, you know, just basically agree to disagree. This is one of those situations in which we have to recognize that Pride Month is nothing more than a one-month distillation of cultural energy. But let's, let's face it, um, those ideologies are really no less forceful the other 11 months of the year. It's just the time that it's all focused upon during the, all the energy is focused. Yeah, and you know, it's very telling as you look at society how, for instance, corporations, major corporations are now using Pride Month as an opportunity to take moral sides. Uh, Which know, is very Target, interesting. Target is, is, I think, one of the most surprising examples in terms of its sociology, not in terms of its corporate history. Because in recent years, Target has really tried to play this game. But when you look at the people to whom Target's trying to sell things, they're not people who are really confused over these issues. And so uh, just to kind of test this theory, my wife and I went into a Target in a small town America in the South just in recent days, and we looked at that display. Now, number one, here's the first thing. My wife and I were looking at it from the perspective of cultural investigation. Second thing is we were the only people in the display. 
In other words, it was an enormous amount of square footage in the Stargate store. No customers were in it. But it was, and, and, you know, this was fairly rural America, you know, big enough for a town to have a Target store, but there's no one in that section. The next thing is, it was so preachy. I mean, this is not just what you may see, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, major corporations like banks and others that will put up a slogan or, you know, sure, you know, pass out T-shirts or something. This is at the most basic and even perverse level. This is a major American consumer marketing, you know, retailer. It sounds evangelistic from a secular sense. It's crudely evangelistic. It's it's crassly evangelistic. And, and I don't think it's very successful. But then again, we have to understand that progressives count on the fact that offense lessens over time. And so the left has always argued that this is one of the ways you make progress. Well, you, you, chip, you offend you chip people, away. and then they're just less offended next year, and they're less offended the next year. So I have a lot of topics to ask you about, and I'm uh-huh. going to hold back on some. But but what I do want uh-huh. to hit on is education, because we have a lot of people, obviously, arguing about what's happening. And some of these issues have permeated education. We have a lot of Christian parents who are saying, I need to pull my kids out. We don't think Christian kids should be in public education. What do you say on the issue? Well, I think I've said the same thing for at least about three to four decades, and that is that the time is going to come when Christians are not going to be able to make the argument, we should leave our kids in the public schools. That time's already come in many public school districts across the United States, where I will simply say, I think it is unfaithful for parents to leave their kids in those public schools, because they're basically delivering their children over to Caesar. And uh, that is now, I think, just unquestionable in many districts across the United States. It's not true everywhere. And I, I'm, I'm not suggesting it's true everywhere yet. Because every district is different. Every right district is right different now. to some degree. But you understand that, you know, the Biden administration intends to use the Department of Education in order to make them all the same. Uh, and, and, and this is very much the agenda of the left. And it's not just what you see in, say, uh, school board decisions. It's in the education schools, the teacher certification programs. It's in the definition of teaching as a profession. It's it's very clear in the teachers' unions. And uh, what I want to warn Christian parents about is this. You don't know what's happening in your child's heart until, in many cases, it's too late. I have so many Christian parents say to me, you know, we had our kids in the public schools because we thought we could kind of undo anything that might go wrong in terms of what they're being taught. But that's, that, that's an overconfidence on the part of Christian parents because your kids don't necessarily, especially as they get older, and just to be honest, you know, your 12-year-old just doesn't come in and say, Mom and Dad, I'm concerned about how my heart was inclined towards, you know, this issue, and, you know, as it was being discussed. Because it, this, they're trying to evangelize kids. That's, that's explicitly what they're doing. And, uh, you know, everyone's understood this. John Dewey, who's one of the great proponents of the, what was called the common school movement in the United States, what we call the public school movement, he said, and, and this is the, the man who basically was behind Teachers College at Columbia University, the most influential figure. He said the effort in the public schools should be to separate children from the religious prejudices of their parents. Okay, just remember, that's not a late thing. No, that was Manhattan, you know, For a different set ago. of religious, you know, preferences. Right, he was, by right, the way, one right. of the framers of the Secularist Manifesto. You know, and, and you look at it and you look at it, okay, this isn't new. People have understood. This is the reason why the Marxists, and uh, where, where you had the Soviet Union and all the rest, uh, they don't allow any alternatives to the state schools. That tells you something. In other words, they know the power of the state schools so much that they're not going to allow any child to be educated otherwise. 
one of the great, great uh, blessings for which Christians in the United States must be thankful is that the precedent uh, for parents having the right to educate their children outside the state schools is already set. We're going to have to defend it, but it's already set. So another issue, completely unrelated, but a big one, is artificial intelligence. This has been creeping up, and it's coming out of nowhere almost for a lot of people. This new technology, a lot of questions about what it means for humanity. Um, But how should Christian leaders be responding to this? Because people are looking for guidance. Right. Well, one of the problems of the whole issue of artificial intelligence is that 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 landscape could change before I get to the end of this sentence. And uh, that is because even in the last several days, you know, we, we, we've seen evidence of the fact that people are saying, okay, there are new capabilities and there are new moral dimensions. Uh, this is a truly frightening prospect. And I don't say that about everything. I mean, this is a truly frightening prospect because what we don't know, we don't know. And this really is setting something loose in the lab. And uh, if, if you allow computers to have these forms of algorithm-driven intelligence and then to mask the power of nearly, it's not infinite, but you could say beyond our imagination, seemingly infinite you know, array of these thinking machines. Well, by definition, we're going to be in big trouble. You know, For instance, militaries all over the world are very concerned about these autonomous killing machines now. Uh, because we, and, and we actually have some in our own arsenal right now. You know, we have drones that are making decisions about targeting before any human being's thinking is involved. It's, ter- it's terrifying on so many levels when you think about it. It's terrifying on both ends of that equation. Because, uh, you know, what's to say someone doesn't turn that against us? Right. You know, and look, I'm an institutional president, president of a seminary and of a college. Here's a true test. How do you know if this is a student's work or not? And and you we can have see you put in one thing and it gives you an we entire have, We have paper. wonderful Christian students, but the whole process against education, uh, you know, is going to be, the challenge is going to be, how in the world do you know what anyone's done? The professor writes a new book. Well, did he? You know, <laughs> in other words, you look at this and you recognize, okay, these are huge issues. Okay, so one of the big realities is that, uh, and by the way, our entire economy is based upon the fact that intellectual property is owned. You know, if you write a book, it's your book, or you own the copyright, you own the rights to it. No one has the right to steal your book. Well, what if a computer wrote it? Is it yours? Was it your computer? You know, in other words, all this, and then how do you prove that? So, no, we're in, we're in deep water here. Oh, did your pastor develop his sermon Sunday? Or did an artificial intelligence develop this? Now, I also want to say, Imago Dei has to play a giant role in our thinking here. The, the, the fact that God made human beings in his image. We are image bearers. So I believe, number one, that a computer can already do math better and faster than I can. Okay, that's, that's not a tremendous challenge, but I'll just tell you, you know, I just, you know if you're going to add up 21, you know, seven-figure sums, the computer's got it instantly. I've, I've got a lot of work to do, okay? And I got to check it two or three times. But when it comes to aspects that are relational, aspects that are conversational, aspects that uh, get to our deepest commitments, it's not yet clear what artificial intelligence can do with that. You know, so the specter of science fiction is you have feeling machines. What, there is no such thing as a feeling machine. There may be a machine that mimics feeling. We're not merely feeling machines. We're not merely machines that mimic feeling. We're made in God's image. And so there has to be a distinction there 
But keeping that distinction straight, and by the way, defending human dignity is going to uniquely fall upon Christians because the world is cashing out its ability to argue for human dignity. Mm, And that's going to be a huge issue as AI develops. Absolutely. Right. So why pay you if I can buy your machine? Exactly. I mean, no, it's so true. It's so true. All right. Another topic, the Southern Baptist annual meeting that's coming up. There are obviously concerns about divides, concerns about dwindling membership. What is the future of the denomination in your view? Well, I'm, I'm quite hopeful, but I'm also quite honest. So I don't think anybody's got a pass. I don't think anybody's got an easy way forward. So if you're serious about doing anything, you're going to have controversies these days. And quite frankly, you've got disagreements. Some of them are kind of surface level. Some of them are deeper. And I think we're now at some deeper, some deeper issues of disagreement, particularly over women serving as pastors, uh, particularly over how to approach these big cultural issues, um, how to speak publicly about them how to define the SBC by them. Uh, I make no apologies that I'm a conservative confessionalist. I believe it all comes down to the inerrancy of Scripture and to defending the faith once we're all delivered to the saints. I don't think there's any non-controversial space. I don't think there's any way to make the world like us more. And, and I you think know. Scripture's pretty clear on, on that element, right, right of right. What, how we're going to be seen. So it is right. interesting. Yes, we, truth we, and we, love. Need, we need not to be obnoxious. Yes. We need to be kind and uh, respectful. But the fact is, the world's not going to like us a whole lot more for being respectful troglodytes than, uh, you know, just because they're, they're going to consider us enemies of the regime, which in some ways we, we actually are, if they define the regime in terms of their ideologies. Uh, the, the declining membership is another thing, and uh, I've been talking about this for years. We have to expect it, and that doesn't mean we celebrate it, but there was a time when the Southern Baptist Convention was riding the crest of a largely churched and Christianized culture in which people gain social capital by joining our churches. Well, guess what? They cash out social capital by joining our churches now. Uh, you're not more likely to be made partner of your law firm because you're a member of a Southern Baptist church. If it's preaching the gospel, you're probably less likely you're going to make partner in your law firm if, if your church membership becomes an issue. So I don't know if there are fewer believers in our churches. I don't know if there are fewer seriously-minded Christians in our churches. I also think we're probably more honest in the numbers because, you know, for years, I think everybody needs to be honest. Every denomination played a numbers game. And, uh, you know, part of this quite frankly, also, is the disequilibrium that came with COVID. And, and so, you know, it, COVID, we could argue ad infinitum, but there's no doubt that you really found out who was with you on the other side of COVID and uh, who's going to show up to church. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful the Southern Baptist Convention and our churches, we have so many. I, I, I'm thankful the Lord has preserved so much. I'm thankful for the opportunity the Lord has retained for us. And so I'm not pessimistic, but uh, but you're honest. I'm honest, and you know I don't think Christians should ever be optimistic. I think we should be hopeful. Optimism is presumptuous. Uh, hopefulness is Christian. Dr. Mueller, as always, it is wonderful speaking with you. Appreciate your time Thank today. You. What great questions! Great to talk with you. I like that guy, Dr. Albert Mueller. I'm going to check his YouTube channel out. I like what he said. Um, Ideology does not change biology. Amen to that. What a mess it's got to be to be in the school system today as an English teacher or at a university. Are these school systems, are they changing the pronouns as we speak? I wouldn't doubt they are in places like California. 
Good grief. I mean, this is just, it's remarkable. Uh, what is going on here? Okay, well, enough said about that. I'm going to pick up uh, now with uh, an edition of Speak My Word. And then coming up at the top of the hour, Dr. Deborah Vills. Later, Carl Henderson. And then Bill Keller. Welcome to the broadcast. Speak My Word is about to begin. Your host is Shannon Davis. And we are living in the time of the end. King Linus. We have ignition. We will be reading tonight from the King James edition. Jesus told us to preach the gospel, cast out devils and lay hands on the sick. If you are not obeying him, you better act quick. He is coming back and we will all give a report. So obey Jesus so you don't come up short. And I don't know if I use the right adjective there, remarkable. I think what I was looking for is, uh, this is insanity. Yeah, that, that says exactly what I mean. Insanity, what is going on. And uh, I will not conform to the Sodomites. I will not bow my knee. I will not agree to disagree. We stand for the truth. Let the chips fall they may. Do I hear an amen? The word of God is our final authority on anything. Not what we think. It's what God thinks. And we ought to obey God rather than men. Do I hear an amen on that? Okay. I checked to see where we left off last time. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Missed a few days of speak my word. Let's pick up. Father Yehovah, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this opportunity. Be here today. Bless the speakers. Bless all those that have come out to be part of these programs. We plead the blood of Jesus over all of us and our families. And I ask you, Father God, to go with us today. Have your way. Invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit of God, teach us your word. Unlock it for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, I commented um, on the program I did <clears throat> earlier today. I had an opportunity to wake up and do a uh, exorcism right here in the house. I was uh, just going to bed after a uh, long day of shows and I had maybe uh, two hours of sleep when I was awakened to the sound of my wife praying and her praying got louder and louder speaking in tongues and I began to come out of my my sleep and I understood one or two words I said wait a minute What's going on here? What's she praying about? Realize she's doing a deliverance. And I thought it was telephonic. Turned out to be on a lady who works with us here. And um, it was her time to get free. And I went upstairs. And my wife asked me to pray. And uh, just went, went after those demons. We hit them hard in the name of Jesus Christ. No mercy to these devils. And uh, Holy Spirit gave me a strategy and that was to use some things we learned from Henry Groover and we commanded in the name of the Jesus Christ for the gates to be opened and the guardian to loose her and I got a, a manifestation 
right off that. It worked. Again, at the temples here in uh, Bali and other parts of the world where you have temple worship, there are typically guardians that guard the entrances to these temples. They have a gate or a door you got to go through. And uh, these things are not just uh, decorations. They have spiritual power. And so we commanded, just like Henry Groove would do when he would do prayer walking, for the gates to open, for the guardian to loose her. It was a guardian demon, a guard that was trying to uh, block her from following Jesus and being all she can be and trying to hold her back and uh, just as a Christian would have a guardian angel many have a guardian demon and this thing had to be dispatched and that we did in the name of Jesus Christ and we hit this demon hard and out the demons came they came in the form of came out in, in mucus globs of mucus out of her stomach and coughs and we uh, saw a mighty victory for the Lord Jesus Christ so praise God apart from Jesus Christ we can't do anything but great way that was even before breakfast nothing like uh, casting out demons um, in the morning before your breakfast start your day that doesn't happen that often over here but I had that opportunity today it was exciting okay 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures." And what scripture uh, is Paul referring to? Was it the New Testament had been written yet? It was in process. Uh, he's talking about the Old Testament, the Torah, the prophets. In those scriptures, Jesus Christ is revealed. Again, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas that was Simon Peter then of the twelve after that he was seen of about of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep after that he was seen of James then of all the apostles and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Just like Omega Man is what he is, and you are what you are. Praise God. Whether imperfections and all. I was thinking... Uh, some may think some of my intro music is just crazy, but that's who I am. It's in my DNA to be who I am in Christ. And one thing you can say about 
a mega man and some people said many bad things uh, I'm still here the enemy tried to stop us many times but we're like the demon said an energizer bunny that just keeps going and going and doesn't stop uh, we're coming up on 13 years in about eight in about nine days so praise God but uh, Paul was making uh, note of the fact that yes he he was persecuting Christians you know he would travel around with uh, papers from the Sanhedrin back in Jerusalem and he would have Christians arrested many of them would be sent to prison and many of them would be put to death he was there when Stephen was stoned to death and he says I'm not mean to be called apostle because I persecuted the church of God but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain and I pray that these programs that uh, we've been doing now for almost 13 years are not in vain I don't think that they are I think that um, uh, we've reached many people and um, total tally is only the Lord knows uh, but we, we're continuing to do what the Lord has called us to do here in the program and I want to thank all of you for being parts of these programs let me get back to the word however but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me therefore whether it were I or they so we preach and so ye believed now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ is not risen, then our, is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You're yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Of course he rose from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept the first fruits for since by man came death by man came also the resurrection of the dead he's the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead Jesus for as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive but every man in his own order Christ the first fruits afterward they that are Christ at his coming when's he coming at the last trump that's the way I read it then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God even the father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death Death is really the enemy of all mankind, isn't it? It's upon a man wants to die and then the judgment. I 
I was thinking if we had some ability for like a stop action camera, and of course we wouldn't be able to move, it just had to be pointed at us and we wouldn't move, and you would play it back, you would see yourself literally aging on the camera. As you see those wildlife scenes and things change with a stop action camera, we're all deteriorating. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> Maybe plastic surgery can prop you up a little bit longer, though. But, or you could turn into Frankenstein. Uh, people looking for the fountain of youth. The only fountain of youth is in Jesus Christ. If we don't have him, there is no eternal life. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? That's an interesting verse. I have to study that one out. Again, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it for me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. If it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, The first 
man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. How about that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have been born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And what's he mean by sleeping? Death? Um, physical death? Well, let's see as we continue on. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must be must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. When is Jesus coming back? At the last trump. Comes back with the sound of a trumpet. It's the last trump. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. The way I read it over Matthew 24. Is he referring to the fact that there will be some alive remaining? Of course there will be. Could be you and I. Or we could have died. But for those that are alive remaining, they will be caught up. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. We jump down to 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I thank Brother Elias and I just answered the question. We're looking for an answer for and uh, in this verse right here. And all of us. What do we do? In the face of uh, the times we're living and, you know, knowing that uh, if the Lord doesn't come first, we're probably going to die. What do we do until that time? In crazy times that we're living in. We haven't seen nothing yet. It's going to be even crazier. Well, it says, be ye steadfast. Keep going. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't think there's a greater thing we can do. Continue working for the Lord. 
for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Anything we do down here for the kingdom of God is not in vain. So we continue Mark 16. Um, Great Commission ministry. All of us. Share the gospel. Get people water baptized. Cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick that they recover. Continue using the gifts of the Holy Spirit as God gives the utterance. Help the widows, the orphans, those in disaster. Stand with the nation of Israel as everybody seems to be throwing them under the bus, wants to take their land. Who has a right to tell God what he can do with his land? Or to override God and his land deed to the children of Israel? Oh, I'm glad I looked at the clock. Okay, we've got about six minutes, then Dr. Vils will be on. Let's see how far we can go. First Corinthians chapter 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, pass around the collection plate. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on your on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus unto Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries, many people that would try to stop Paul. Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. Watch ye. Talk to the whole group. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity, with love. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you, Achilla and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Hey, is that not one of the examples of the first house church? Yeah, you can have a church right there in your house. This couple, they minister together the gospel. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye another with a holy kiss. We used to do that growing up in the church. Come here, let me hug your neck. And uh, 
if you're a man and a woman, you might have to do a side hug or don't get too close. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. All the brethren greet you again. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. Come here, let me love on you now. The salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Someone needs to look that one up for me. Anathema maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you and all. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, amen. The first epistle to the Corinthians was written from Philippi by Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus and Timotheus. Okay, where did we go today? We did uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 16. We're right on time. I'm going to save this, get ready for a reset, and uh, we're going to do our next show with Deborah Vells, Dr. Deborah Vells. Stand by.